three, two, one. Hello, and thank you for joining us on Kentucky Caliber this week. We had a really good uh, interview on WVLK 590 AM, which is the uh, the Jack Patty Show last week. We covered a lot of different ground, a lot of ground, talked about a lot of different topics. Uh, so a really good show, and it's um, you can find it on their uh, website there. They, if you go to the, the News Talk 590 WVLK uh, website and then look for the podcast banner, just scroll down and you can uh, find that if you're interested in listening. But it was a really good discussion. Always appreci- appreciate the uh, the invitation to be part of the Jack Patty Show there in Lexington. And next week I'll be recording an interview with Tom Martin at WEKU, which is uh, his program is called, um, it runs through Eastern Kentucky uh, University and it's called Eastern Standard. And we're going to be discussing some more uh, issues that are pertinent to the local area here in Kentucky. And I think Specifically, one of the things we'll be we'll be covering in that uh, discussion is going to be the uh, the cut through in Pikeville and the impact that it has had on the uh, the local region and its economy. So, looking forward to that discussion. Uh, it dovetails on a um, a podcast we did for the museum, which I also host, and that was uh, several weeks ago, back at the beginning of October for the uh, the 35th anniversary of the um, the cut through. So, really looking forward to uh, that discussion as well. When that's uh, available, when the audio for that is finalized, I'll either share the audio on here or uh, I'll at least uh, post a link to it. Looking forward to that. It's going to be a good discussion. Today uh, and this week, the thing I wanted to uh, to focus on, the topic I wanted to focus on, was to continue and, and flesh out a little bit one of the uh, items that we raised on the Jack Patty Show. And that was, you know, we have, uh, it, uh, today's the 1st of November, so we're one week away from elections here in the United States, and I hope everybody gets out there and votes, uh, regardless of who you want to vote for, whichever uh, political party, if any, you affiliate with. I hope everybody uh, votes. Democracy works best when more people participate, so we want to see that uh, high voter turnout is always better uh, for the election and better for the country, so please get out there and vote. Find your nearest uh, voting uh, location and cast your uh, cast your ballot. Look forward to seeing how it's all going to turn out. No one really knows uh, how an election is going to turn out. That's kind of the excitement uh, around it. We all there's uh, entire industries that are built on speculating as to who's going to win or who's in the lead, uh, and they have all kinds of uh, information that they've gathered. Uh, some of it is credible, some of it is not, but it all it all feeds into the same the same thing, which is the election cycle. No one knows how it's going to turn out. We just have to wait and see what the outcome is going to be. Uh, but the topic I wanted to focus on a little bit more broadly than just this election is democracy itself. And the reason why I wanted to focus on that, because that that's a very broad topic, and I'll, and I'll explain why I chose that for this week. Um, as I mentioned on the Jack Patty show there um, last week, in different places around the world, we're seeing a pushback and a challenge to democracy on a scale and of a scope that we haven't seen uh, in quite some time. I would argue um, we haven't seen a, a, a pushback against democracy and democratic norms um, on this scale and of this scope probably since uh, before the Second World War. And I'll give you a couple of examples of what I'm what I mean by that and what I'm talking about. So the first, the, the two biggest examples are, are Russia and China. 
and so I'll start with, with the Russian example, where Vladimir Putin has been essentially appointed president for life. The Duma passed a, a law which allows him to serve in his current office until 2036, um, which essentially for him, I mean, he's already well into his 60s, so essentially they've declared him to be uh, president for life. And the Duma also have pa passed legislation. This is not new. This, this happened many years ago. But they also passed legislation that prohibits Vladimir Putin or any member of his immediate or extended family from ever being prosecuted uh, in any Russian court or by any Russian law enforcement agency. So in Russia, you have an individual who has now been uh, named president for life and who cannot be prosecuted by the, the law enforcement agencies of the Russian government. So in, he's in power for life and he's above the law. That is dictatorship. There is no other word for it. That is a dictatorship, a rule of one person, and that is what Russia has. And, but even more so, um, Russian Vlad President Vladimir Putin is constantly saying in, in his speeches and in his actions that he believes that not only is he an authoritarian, but he's proud of it, and that authoritarianism is the way to go in his view. He believes as do uh, our other example in China, which I'll get to in a moment, that authoritarianism is superior to democracy. And they cite as examples, the, among other things, I mean, they have um, cultural reasons why they feel that uh, democracy doesn't work. But most recently, uh, the authoritarians in the world, and led by Russia's president and, and China's uh, chair of their party, which is essentially their, their version of their president, um, they point to the United States and Britain, which previously in the, in the 20th century were the standard bearers in the world for democratic governance. And they point to those today as examples of why they think democracy isn't working. They, will, they cite as examples the frequent turnover of prime minister in Britain, which they're on their third prime minister now in the last uh, seven weeks. They point to the uh, controversy surrounding the 2020 elections in the United States and the ongoing rise of political violence and political extremism in the United States. And Mr. Putin and, and Xi Jinping of China use those as examples to illustrate their beliefs that authoritarianism is a better system of government than the democratic way. Now, that's an argument that we haven't really heard out in the open for quite some time. And the reason for that is 20th century authoritarians... Uh, didn't fare so well. After the end of the Second World War, which saw the defeat of the Axis powers, which were represented by authoritarian regime, regimes, and then later on in the 20th century, the collapse of the, the Soviet Union, itself led by a more or less authoritarian ruler, those events convinced much of the world's population that the authoritarian way doesn't work, that it's been tried, and it failed, and we saw the result of it, which was disastrous uh, in almost every case. And so authoritarianism was on the wane uh, in the early 90s. And this is what scholars refer have referred to as a another wave of democracy when democratic governance became extremely popular. And so everyone wanted to try it. Everyone looked to the United States and, to a lesser extent, uh, Britain and Europe, as examples of how the best way, what is the best way to run uh, your society or government. And, and so it was argued at that time and believed at that time by many 
that uh, a democratic government and a capitalist economy were the best ways to go. And this contributed to uh, what uh, scholar Francis Fukuyama uh, called the end of history, by which he simply meant um, the big questions about how best to organize a society have been settled. And this was, of course, in the, uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union. And so that was a popular notion at that time. Well, today, demo democracy has having a lot more challenges and a lot more problems, and it isn't dealing with them as effectively as it used to. And in part, as a consequence of that, authoritarianism is on the rise. And maybe I should have just led with that. Um, but that's part of what motivates or has helped um, drive Russia's claims that their authoritarian uh, style of government is better. And you will hear much a, a very similar argument coming from Xi Jinping of China when he makes pretty much the same argument that in his view we need, there has to be an authoritarian ruler because only that can bring order. Um, both of these individuals, Mr. Putin and, and Xi Jinping, are creatures of their, uh, their upbringing. In the case of Xi Jinping, he came of age following the Cultural Revolution uh, of Mao in China, and he lived through much of the chaos and tumult that followed that time period. His father was a senior member of the Communist Chinese Communist Party, who was then, uh, his good standing was lost in an internal party dispute, and he was kicked out and then uh, persecuted by the remaining party, and that also included Xi and his family, who he says were threatened by members of the uh, the Chinese Communist Party. And so, in his case, you have um, not only a desire to gain the levers of power, but you also have a pretty strong revenge motive against uh, the system that rejected his father and persecuted his family. And so today, she has climbed to the top of the Chinese Communist Party and has been named their chairman for a third term, which they normally don't do. They're normally limited to only two, but they've made an exception for Xi Jinping. So essentially, he is in power for life, and he has surrounded himself with loyalists in much the same way that Vladimir Putin has achieved uh, the supreme power in Russia and surrounded him, himself with only loyalists. And so the two authoritarian leaders in Russia and China say that because their way, um, they'll say, look at China and Russia today. You don't see the kind of messy um, arguments or dissent or unrest that you see in the United States and Britain. Essentially, what they're saying is, look at the United States and Britain, they're a mess. Uh, whereas, look at the authoritarians, we have our act together, uh, our way is superior, we get things done, we provide law and order, we protect our culture, we protect our, our beliefs, and the democratic way uh, puts those things in danger. And so that's an argument that, that we haven't heard for some time. And... The events in the United States and Britain um, have certainly helped both of those individuals uh, claim that their arguments are valid. I would like to point out, though, that since we are now on the, you know, on the verge of, of another election here in the United States, to really think about what it is that the authoritarians are saying and doing, and, and mainly why they're wrong. Um, and they're wrong primarily because they're guilty of short-term thinking, and what I mean by that is, you know, both in both the case of Russia and China, um, their leaders want 
law and order. They want to eliminate dissent. They want to consolidate power. They want to increase the prestige and glory of their nation. And they're doing all of that in such a way as that it appears that the success of their, their country, which I would call hyper-nationalism, is growing, or so it appears. And that was the thinking, especially in the case of Russia, until they invaded Ukraine. And it's certainly the thinking about what's going on in China uh, as they threaten, although they haven't actually taken any direct steps to attack the island of Taiwan, which they claim to be part of their country in a similar way that Russia claims Ukraine is a part of theirs. So the authoritarians may indeed bring about law and order uh, by imposing a heavy-handed security crackdown and by crushing dissent. That has been the case in both Russia and China. In China, the ascension of Xi Jinping has coincided with and indeed been helped by the purge of over 4 million different party officials and government officials in China. So in other words, if you don't get with the program and you don't uh, adhere to the party philosophy that the party leaders led by Xi Jinping want, then you're out. And so the same has pretty much been, um, although on a slightly smaller scale because Russia is a much less populous country than China, so they have a smaller government with, with fewer employees. But nevertheless, the same philosophy is uh, jail your opposition, silence your opposition, threaten your opposition, or buy off your opposition until there isn't any. And there's just one ruler, and then say, well, look how organized and orderly we are. And that's essentially the argument that the authoritarians are making. So it's a short-term argument. We can provide all this uh, law and order, or at least the illusion of it, which I would argue that's exactly what it is, in the short term, and then say, well, look at those democracies, they're a mess. Well, here's the problem. We are a mess. I don't think anybody would argue that. Um, economically, socially, we're going through a time of great upheaval. It is a messy time uh, in the United States, and, and Britain is going through uh, a similar series of events as they try to figure out, as their new prime minister tries to figure out how to get their economy uh, back on track, which is what they're, they're trying to do. But at least we know we're a mess, and I think that's the crucial difference. We know we're a mess. So the democratic process in the short term is messy and unsightly. And just as Baron, um, as von Bismarck said, if you like law and sausages, never watch either one being made. So that's the, the, the Prussian statesman from the, uh, the 19th century. And it's true because it's very messy to watch. It's not pretty. It's ugly. And sometimes it just takes you on a roller coaster ride of emotions. And it's not very efficient. And Things can direct problems can continue to fester without being solved. That's all true in the short term in democracies. But where we shine, where the democratic model excels and where it has consistently defeated the authoritarian model and will do so again, is in the long term. Because we're honestly admitting and addressing our problems out in the open, that is a messy process, but there's no other way to get to a genuine and lasting set of solutions. It may be the case that some problems never have genuine and lasting solutions. We just have to find ways to mitigate those problems and just sort of manage them instead of solving them. That could very well be the case. But we know that, and we admit that, and that is openly shared by the members of our society as we try to figure out what the solutions are to are the problems that are facing us. That is not the case with the authoritarian model. 
The authoritarian model wants dissent to just go away. So it views dissent as the problem rather than viewing dissent as a necessary step towards finding solutions to the problems that the country is facing. And the second big reason, so that's why the authoritarian model is limited. And the other reason why the authoritarian model always fails, and it will in the case of Russia and it will in the case of China, is because of the transition of power. When you appoint one individual as leader for life, as China and Russia now have, then you inevitably will face the prospect of what to do when that individual dies. Because at some point, no matter how long they live, they're, they're going to, to pass from this world, as Shakespeare put it, shuffle off this mortal coil. And they will eventually, as we all will. So then what? What happens when the all-powerful, all-knowing leader for life all of a sudden isn't there anymore? It happens every time the authoritarians try to make a comeback. And every time, they don't have a good answer for it. History is replete with examples. Before the totalitarians of the 20th century, the monarchs of Europe in the 19th and 18th centuries are another example that the secession problem is one that the authoritarian system of government and rule simply cannot solve. There will be a fight for power after the leader passes, and then the country will descend into chaos and violence and sometimes civil war, and that is where, or just collapse, uh, and then fading from the, the global view, and that is where China and Russia are headed in the long term if they stick with the authoritarian model. Whereas democracy goes through this messy, ugly, unsightly election process that we're currently experiencing that's about to end in a week, and I know a lot of people will be glad when it does, and that's okay. But that is necessary for us to have real communication in order to find workable solutions to the problems that are facing our society and our, our country. There's no other way. Um, and it may not, you know, this election may not result in uh, any good solutions. Maybe the next one won't either. But the democratic model has shown, because we have elections so frequently, that eventually we get it right. Eventually, we figure out the solutions, or at least some solutions, to the problems that are facing us. Because the folks who come in making promises, if they don't deliver, voters can see that. And they have an opportunity to hold them accountable in the next election cycle. And that's critical, because there will always be another election. You know, look at Congress. There's an election every two years. So it's very frequent, and our founders did that on purpose. They did that because they knew that there would be times when, as James Madison put it, enlightened statesmen will not always be at the helm. What does that mean? It means that there's going to be times where you have someone in charge of the government who isn't very competent. You know, there was a, um, a quote from the former CEO of Wells Fargo that I absolutely love. And um, he said, I only buy companies whose business model is so simple, a monkey could run it. Because sooner or later, a monkey will be running it. And so that's sort of the same, the same is sort of true for government. You have to have a system that can work, even if a monkey is in charge of it, because sooner or later, the monkeys will be in charge. Sooner or later, you'll get individuals in the democratic system who get elected by saying the right things and by cashing in on their ability to manipulate the emotions of the moment, and they do it well, they win the votes, and they get in office. 
But then eventually their inability to actually make a difference will catch up with them. And that has always been the case in a democratic system such as the one that we have. And when that happens, they'll be voted out, their career will be over, and someone new will have to come in and try to do better. And that's what the democratic system offers. It offers long-term progress at the expense of short-term stability and order. So I would urge folks as we look at this messy election season here, uh, 2022 is, our last several elections have been that way, and, and maybe they all have been. Um, that you're going to see people making statements that aren't true or exaggerations or spreading rumors and innuendo or gossip and all the things and you wish they would actually talk about something that matters. Um, unfortunately, that happens during election season and it's, it's ha certainly happened during this one. But in the long run, democracy finds a way. Whereas the authoritarian model is stuck with the leader for life with nowhere to go but to wait until that leader either dies or that the pressure builds up so great underneath the surface of the society that it explodes. And so in that sense, um, that's also called the safety valve theory of democracy. And that theory is that because people can let off steam during elections, whether they're saying things that are true or not, uh, in the safety valve theory, it doesn't matter. There's, they still have a mechanism to let off steam so that that pressure doesn't build up and build up and build up in their society until it explodes. And that is exactly what happens in authoritarian regimes. Things will appear on the surface to be perfectly fine, and then one day the pressure reaches a point where society can't take it anymore, and it explodes. And all of a sudden, the authoritarian regime is gone. And I'll give you, as a recent example, the Arab Spring um, in the Middle East. And that is precisely what happened to those societies where you had authoritarian regime in Egypt and Tunisia and other places that had maintained uh, a grip on power and stifled dissent and had the appearance of calm when underneath everything was actually anger and turmoil. And when it finally reached a certain level that just exploded and so you have uh, a revolution or an Arab Spring. And so I would argue that's why the democratic system is better, because it's messy, not in spite of it. And we should look at that and be thankful that we have a messy system of government, because you know that that at least is honest. And what the authoritarians are selling is a lie. They're selling a fantasy. They're selling a short-term illusion at the expense of the ability of their society to function and prosper over the long term. And I would argue we should embrace and continue to embrace the long-term model. It's okay to have doubts about the democratic system. There's nothing wrong with that. As Winston Churchill said, democracy is the worst form of government there is except for every alternative. Um, and that's sort of true. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a flawed and it's an imperfect system. And I'm not claiming that it isn't. But our election system here in the United States works, and it works pretty well. And so it is troubling to hear candidates claim that they will not accept the outcome of an election unless they're the winner. Nothing could be more undemocratic or un-American than that. That is not how our system works. And by the way, our system does work. Our system of counting votes and declaring winners based on the outcome works very well. And as I've said in previous episodes, the problem of voter fraud has been 
extremely exaggerated. It's a tiny, insignificant fraction that never affects the outcome of elections. There's never been an election in U.S. history that has been changed due to fraud. Sure, some elections have, have we found out later that there was voter fraud, but not one was that fraud of such a magnitude that it could have changed the outcome of the election because our system works. And so I'm, I'm having, I wanted to focus on this, you know, this week as we're getting ready to go into an election season to remind people that you should still have faith in the democratic process, even when it looks messy, even when it looks ugly, even when you don't get the outcome you want. So whether you're a Democrat or Republican doesn't matter. We've lived through times where there were Democratic majorities in Washington, and we've lived through times where there were Republican majorities in Washington, and we're going to go through both many more times. That's going to happen. The process is what's important, because the process works, and it still reflects the will of the voters, which changes from election to election. We know that. What voters want this year, they may not want next year or the year after that. That's also a reason why we have such frequent elections here in the United States. It gives us a way to rapidly respond to change as opposed to waiting potentially in the authoritarian model forever. Because the authoritarian may just continue to ignore popular demands until it blows up in their face or until they die. Uh, and the authoritarians have a long track record of doing exactly that. So on this election week, uh, on this election year in 2022, regardless of whether you're a Democrat or Republican, regardless of whether you think your, your party or your candidate's going to win, um, be thankful and have confidence in the democratic system because it works. It is a superior model to the authoritarian style, which is being touted by China's leader Xi Jinping and Russia's President Vladimir Putin. And eventually, as we go through time, we will clean up our mess, or we will at least make some progress towards cleaning up our messes. We have a good track record in the United States of doing exactly that. It's not pretty to watch, but we get there. We get to the finish line. We get the results. Whereas the Russian and Chinese versions are already setting themselves up for a spectacular failure. Xi Jinping believes that he can help China escape the cycle of the rise and fall of dynasties. But he's simply setting himself up to be the next dynasty that collapses because the authoritarian model simply doesn't work. And that is the lesson that I wanted to remind everyone of history. It may look like it's working for a little while, as is the case today, but it's not. In the long term, it's going to fail and democracy will succeed and democracy will remain a superior form of government because it allows us to address our problems more effectively more frequently and more openly than the authoritarian model. So I hope everyone keeps that in mind as you watch the election play out this week. I have no idea who's going to win which race. There are way too many races out there at the congressional level and, and at the state level that are polling too close to call. So when you're within that margin of error, they could go either way. It's, it's not possible to say who's going to win where, and I'm just going to wait and see what happens I'm very interested in the outcome. It'll be a consequential election, as all of our elections are. And I'm not sure if the uh, Democrats will keep their majority in the House or whether they'll increase it or whether the Republicans will gain a majority. Um, right now, I just do not know. But I'm interested to see how it turns out. I plan to vote, and I hope you do too, because we're all stakeholders here in the outcome of that election. And as I said at the beginning, it works better when everyone 
participates. And that's another way that we're superior to the authoritarian model is we have a way to maximize participation. The authoritarian model minimizes participation. And that's why in the long run, it fails where we succeed. So thank you for listening. I hope everyone has a great week and take care.